wants to talk. He just wants to. <laughs> he he really wants to talk about uh, the erasure of uh, the Falcon and his title, and um, how it's not fair that we continue to lose uh, bird-titled superheroes. Honestly? And frankly, he, he he thinks it's a little uh, aviophobic. <laughs> he said Icarus says bird rights. Icarus says bird rights. Bird birth. birth, 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 birth. <laughs> Bird birthrights. Bird birthrights. Oh boy. Okay. Well, um, thank you everyone for joining. This is episode two of what is now called Nonsense and Noise. Um, I am your host, Nathan Cato, and we're currently, and by we, I mean I am currently hosting a series about Shang-Chi and all of my thoughts and feelings. I've been joined by um, my local Marvel aficionado. We've been friends for four years we met through um this tiny little game you might not have heard of it it's called overwatch um uh run by this really really cool company called blizzard they treat their employees super well as a note for posterity oh, well. <laughs> so mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. as a note for posterity this is all sarcasm blizzard is a pretty garbage company um but mm -hmm. uh yet i'm still playing overwatch because um i hate myself apparently mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. i don't like to have fun um Bryn has freed themselves from overwatch um thank goodness <laughs> sweet i've been through it um they've been through it um but yes, Bryn is my local uh, Marvel aficionado. They have watched me descend into um, having my brain being controlled by Marvel, maybe with some level of vindictive glee because I have um, maybe poked too, made too many jokes at their expense of being into Oh no, Marvel. it's it's a it's a very fair uh, poke <laughs> and evaluation considering. Um, I walked into a theater in 2008 thinking, oh, this will be a fun movie. Uh, heard the opening notes to Back in Black and immediately thought to myself, oh no, this is going to, uh, this is going to do something to me, isn't it? And um, here we are approximately, uh, ooh, I don't know, you said 13 years later? <laughs> yeah. Um, the hyperfixation is still holding strong, in case you were wondering. Um... We're in the trenches, boys. Here we go. It's been thirteen years. There are there are children old enough as 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 old as your hyperfixation, Brent. How does that feel? It doesn't feel great, to be quite <laughs> honest. Um, but it's one that I will accept with grace and dignity. Um, ever ever the the role model. Um, so. Uh, just as a, re a reminder, slash, just in case you're tuning in for the first time, um, I am, like, like like I said, I'm Nathan Kato. I am a half Japanese, half Taiwanese, um, gay Asian American man, and so this movie has kind of hit on, Shang-Chi has hit very, very closely to home um, on a lot of fronts, and um, Bryn, if you want to give some details about yourself as well, in addition to being my local Marvel aficionado. Um, oh, of course! Also, also, I use he, him pronouns just for the audience. Um, mm -hmm. Take it away, friend. Uh, I'm Bryn. Bryn Moore, if you want to be super formal, just Bryn if you want to be uh, nice about it, I guess. Uh, I'm non-binary, they, them pronouns. Uh, biracial with that fun little flavor swirl of Latino-Hispanic and white. So I've got, uh, obviously I'm a person of color um, from a biracial standpoint, but I also get the fun advantage of not really having a superhero yet. Yes. So I'm kind of um, secondhand excitement, I suppose you could say, until I get my boy. So. <laughs> We're, we eagerly await the first um, Latinx superhero in the MCU. I was telling Bryn the other day that... Um, 
it sucks that we don't have one yet. Um, slash, like, so we have Miles Morales um, in Spider-Verse, and that's animated, and animation is totally a valid um, art form and everything. And also at the same time, um, when when do we get a live action? Marvel? Or... Our hopes for live action, at the very least, is um, we are, uh, fingers crossed, supposedly, I believe we have confirmation um, from Marvel for America Chavez will be added uh, in Multiverse of Madness, um, coming out in a few years here, um, but we don't know if she'll be an extended uh, appearance or just for that one. Um, we've also seen the introduction of uh, Joaquin Torres, who is uh, the he'll be the successor to the title of Falcon after uh, Sam Wilson. He's in in the comics. He's a, a Mexican immigrant, um, mm. and I don't believe they're upholding that backstory in the MCU. So okay. that's something that we'll be able to uh, <laughs> yeah, go over later. Don't love that quite as much. <laughs> Ooh, absolutely not. So we don't we don't jive with that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that is um, a little bit on on my friend here that I've got on, um, and so we Bryn actually came very well prepared for this episode. I told uh, Bryn actually was the one who sort of pushed me over the edge into doing this, um, and so uh, number one, thank you. Number two, um, oh. Bryn is probably going to be my most well prepared guest in that they came to me with a whole outline of what they wanted to talk about. So without further ado, we're going to start off with like the part of Bryn's essay that they call, Who the Hell Are You? Um, I briefly touched on this on episode one in how Shang-Chi is, is not in the zeitgeist. He's not in the public consciousness. Shang-Chi has never shown up in any media outside of his comic that I know of. And as a result, Shang-Chi, the movie, had to do a lot of heavy lifting in terms of introducing who the fuck he is, as well, in, in addition to rebuilding the character completely. So people who have actually read the Shang-Chi comics don't actually, don't actually know this version of Shang-Chi because he's been revamped. So with that sort of introduction, Bryn, take it away and, and I'll, we, we can talk a little bit about um, this topic. Of course. So when it comes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they, from the very start, uh, even with the introduction of Iron Man, he was more of a, a B-list uh, Avenger, if you will. You know, he wasn't one of the major ones. He wasn't Captain America. He wasn't Hulk. He wasn't, you know, so on and so forth. And so even within the introduction of, of the MCU, it was beginning with the underdog, with the one people weren't as familiar with or weren't really as emotionally attached to. Which is surprising. They're like, oh, like... This is yeah. very surprising because, like, I grew... I mean, like, when I was growing up, and I think I mentioned in episode one, I remember seeing Iron Man and things, and so, like, he was familiar, but, like, you know, I'm not quite as immersed. So that's that's really interesting to hear. Anyways, continue. Yes, yeah. It's it's funny because even though he he had a presence, it was like he just he wasn't as popular as the others. So if we compare it to where we're at right now with the MCU, it would be saying, you know, oh, Iron Man is like the very top tier. He's basically the godfather of the MCU, as we like to say. And then saying, oh, but we're going to start the series with Spider-Man. Like, you know, we're going to we're going to build the whole legacy off of one of the smaller characters right. even though of course arguably spider-man is still huge within his own right but yes. you know semantics 
in terms of building an empire off of it, likely I think they more anticipated, you know, starting with one of the the larger group movies, so like Fantastic Four or something of the sort. X Men. Oh um, Fantastic yeah. Four. <laughs> Fantastic Four is going to have some. Um, hurdles to jump over although i think realistically at this point i think there are less hurdles and more gravestones are they um, are they going to reboot fantastic four they sure are they've officially okay. made the announcement um marvel studios did officially take the rights for the fantastic four after the um small uh trash fire that was 2015's reboot just so that way 20th century fox could hold on to the rights oh that's right i forgot they rebooted it already yeah they sure did michael b jordan as johnny storm was a fantastic choice and i enjoyed it immensely and that was the only good decision they made with that movie and okay. i will stand by that yeah i i think we i re <laughs> remember seeing those ads um and um yeah no that's 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 I rem yeah, I remember seeing that and I'm like, hmm, maybe I'll watch that. And then I didn't. Yeah, no, so, it's for the best. <laughs> I just remember I watched The Silver Surfer um, when I was on a language immersion program in China. So we got like this nice bootleg copy of Silver Surfer. Um, it had Chinese subtitles on. And I don't remember a lick of that movie. Oh, but yes. <laughs> all you need to remember about the original Fantastic Four movies is... Chris Evans. Um, Surprise. Chris Evans. Oh, Chris Evans. Um, not the point. No. Um, yeah. So Actually, which, no. Yeah. Surprise. Uh, Chris Evans on fire and the heterosexuals are at it again. That's it. That's okay. the whole Okay. I mean, Chris Evans is kind of on fire regardless, given how he looks. And never before have we been a fan of... Um, Maybe not never before. Um, I'm trying to riff right here and like make something funny about Chris Evans, and I'm falling flat on my face. But all all we need to know as the audience is that Bryn is a huge Chris Evans fan. Bryn is a Chris Evans apologist, and so... I will have you know, I only apologize so far until the man <laughs> brings the CIA into the conversation, oh, and then boy. I'm done! Oh, God. Oh, but that could be an episode all on its own, just yeah. the... Uh, the MCU actors and how close they get to being right and yet mm. fall mm. so far. You're mm. so close. We love it. So proud. We love it. Yes. Up until we weren't. Another, uh, another episode later. But yes, continuing exactly. on yes. Um, introducing introducing people and um, centering a franchise. Exactly. So the this whole concept has basically become the MCU's brand, is that they're introducing uh, lesser-known characters into a grander universe. So of course, starting with Iron Man, and then later on introducing uh, the Maximoff twins are ooh, their own whole ball game with the way they were penciled in the MCU. But Whoops. again, we're not going to touch that one. But it was like, oh, but they're X-Men. So like bringing them into the MCU, like, why are you guys doing that? Or, you know, uh, introducing Loki as the major villain instead of, you know, like, why don't we introduce Thanos or Ultron? Stuff like that. It's the even regardless of whether or not it was from the protagonist approach or the antagonist approach, it was like, you guys are kind of bringing out some weak hitters to start out with. And this is and... very interesting. We contrast that to, like, how they're viewed now. Like like I said before, it's very interesting that Iron Man is considered a, a weak hitter to start off because he's got, he's got so much pull now and everything. And, like, I mean, I would say... 
Yeah, no, I mean, like, uh, Iron Man, Captain America, for me, like, in it, just, like, being peripherally aware of Marvel, those are two, at least right now, in my mind, heavy hitters. I think I would agree with you in terms of the weaker characters, or, I guess, lesser-known characters when it comes to the Maximoff twins. Mm-hmm. But yes, it's interesting to see how those roles have evolved over time. Yeah, one of the, the first, I, I don't want to say stumbles, but kind of when we... I want to say when we became self-aware <laughs> yeah. that uh, that this had kind of become our brand was introducing Ant-Man right. not long after, I believe it came after Winter Soldier, if my uh, oh, memory the, serves me that correctly. That is when the movie came out? Yeah, because um, that was, uh, I believe it was right before... Right before Age of Ultron? It might have been right after. Oh, you're right, 2015. I think it was after. 2015. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so it was after Age of Ultron, because okay. that was 2014. Unfortunately, I do have a lot of these dates memorized, and Which I'm, is not, very I'm proud helpful, of it. so that way I don't have to go to Wikipedia for everything. Exactly! There we go. But yeah, when they were initially introducing Ant-Man, all of us were like, are you... Are you like, you know, like, we were, we were kind of, you know, Tony Stark's still one of the leaders of the Avengers in the comics, you know, but you guys are really gonna... You're gonna pull in Scott Lang? Like, not even Hank Pym? You're gonna go straight... Okay, yeah, that's fine... I guess, because um, even you know, from the comic book community approach, it was it was still a weird choice. Mm-hmm. And then the movie came out, and it was a hit. It was genuinely one of my favorite MCU movies because it knew better than to take itself seriously. That's great. And it was you know, it was another underdog tale, you know, mm-hmm. of saying Ant Man's so funny, you know, da da da. I didn't really know have any backstory i didn't really know anything about him before i went in so it was just really fun to see what they did with him mm-hmm. and the issue is that it you know it was the, the the warm and fuzzy you know underdog story like we had with iron man right. um how many times can i say underdog in one conversation <laughs> we can but, mix it up and say under the dog as, as they say in the gay fish film luca but anyways Yes, underdog. As, as one does. Take a shot. Okay, um, we're starting a drinking game. Every time Bryn says underdog, take a shot. Ooh, ooh, I'm Get so sorry I'm not paying for your game. hospital bills. Um, <laughs> if you're Asian American, I, I'm so sorry. If you've got, if you know you you have propensity towards Asian glow, do not engage in that game. How about every time I say underdog, <laughs> you can take a shot. If you can handle your there alcohol, every time Bryn says underdog, you take a shot. Okay. There we now go. We've there made, we go. Now we're gonna definitely get some traction. It'll be like um, There we go. Small time podcast sends people to the hospital for li- <laughs> liver yes. failure. Love that. Not exactly the title I wanted, but you know what? I'm gonna take it. You know, all publicity is all publicity is good publicity. Because my you know, you get we get we get our names out there. You know, you're right, you're right, you're right. Influencers. <laughs> we can be we could be worse than this, objectively speaking, we I think. We could be going to jail. Um, we could be going to jail, but we're not yet, because you'll never catch me. All right. Uh, but, uh, so, circling on back, speaking of going to jail, Ant-Man, no, um, which is actually his his backstory, fun tidbit, he's oh, okay. a criminal, you know, but, like, unless, he's he's good, he's fine, He's he was a, not like a murder Kind of, more like a, a burglar. Anyway, okay. not the point. Some gentle That's crime. why they wanted him, you know? Some gentle crime. You right. know, robbing from the man, not 
you know, people who, who definitely don't deserve it. Right. Um, okay. But, you know, it was one of those feel-good stories introducing <laughs> Ant-Man and, and, you know, seeing this this smaller title hero um, become something bigger, a part of the grander universe. And it was, you know, initially, they, they didn't have a very large marketing budget for Ant-Man either, just on the principle of it was ant-man mm-hmm. like coming off of an avengers movie right there wasn't really a whole lot left to mm-hmm. be fair yep. but now we fast forward all these years later where you know the, like marvel studios is a billion dollar powerhouse it is literally they're, one of the titans of cinema now they're this small little indie studio you might you might not have heard of them i think you know they've got some really niche movies <laughs> I know, I know. I don't, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, either, you know, two of some of the highest grossing movies of all time, just literally the... only beat out by James Cameron's Avatar because he had pretty colors or something. I'm sorry, no, I'm still no. bitter about it. There's no, I mean, brief, brief aside for everybody. We, both of us are pretty heavily involved in fandom. Bryn, I think, has the incredible credentials of being in a fanzine, and they were recently in a uh, fan thread of, like, mm-hmm. Marvel memes and everything, so they've got a little bit more pull than, than me in the fandom. My only claim to fame is I engaged in writing some fanfiction for Teen Wolf back in the day. Um, Bryn actually had read that thick before they met me. It so, was so good. Thank you. Thank you. I, was, I, uh, I, would, I would just love to plug you know his his fix for a moment because they're so good so soft so good we'll, we'll do some plugs at the end but yes, yes. thank you but yes anyways uh Bryn is um involved in the fandom and all this to say i forgot what i was gonna say um <laughs> <laughs> basically coming around to seeing the the cultural influence that yes. movies like infinity war and endgame have whether that be on the fandom itself or in you know, pop culture mm-hmm. in general. Meanwhile, Avatar was like, you know, oh, we're going right. to make like nine more movies. And we we're like, okay, James Cameron, you can keep that though, I think. What I was like, going to say is Avatar has no cultural impact because uh, I believe it was like on Archive of Our Own, which is our fandom's sort of art, you know, collection of cultural impact. There's maybe like 20 Avatar, like blue Avatar fan fictions. And 12 of them are misattributed to Avatar The Last Airbender and the Avatarverse. Um, so we actually only have like, a, 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 we have a very, very low number of fan works dedicated to Avatar, the blue person movie, which is fine because that movie immediately faded from public consciousness. Like the moment it went out of theaters, nobody was like, damn, I want to see blue man and blue woman, like blue heterosexuals part two. Nobody wanted it. Anyways. Nobody wanted it. We never asked for it. They were like, we're going to give you eight more. And all of us are like, why? <laughs> like, why do we want? Like, you're going to do the same thing Disney did when they gave us Pocahontas 2. Like, let's not do oh any of that. Which is its own, once again, its own conversation and episode. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so at this point, Marvel is literally drowning in money. They have... Of course, they're doing all of these huge, incredible blockbuster movies. They're doing all of the TV shows. They're doing all of these full-scale productions. They now also have um, What If is currently, um, uh, what, what would the word be in the case of, uh, currently airing. There we go. See, I don't even remember <laughs> what words are anymore for TV shows that aren't just bingeable. And that's, <laughs> someone's going to get upset about that who's older than the age of 30. I know it. But 
point being, they have so much money to throw at everything. And when you have an underdog story like this, mm -hmm. like they did with Ant-Man, like they did with Iron Man, like mm -hmm. they did with pretty much any of their movies. Right. Your Marvel, mm -hmm. your focus should always be on marketing. Mm -hmm. And yes, I understand with the pandemic as it is right now, people hadn't really been going back into theaters yet. They were still kind of working on it. And of course, that also brings us to the issue of such uh, as Black Widow, who also had a lowered marketing budget. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, again, that's a, another minority-led, um, even though Scarlett Johansson, we don't want to talk about her either. You know, she's um, an Asian, but we're going to recycle yes, the, right. one, the one joke that the Asian-American community is capable of making. Just kidding. There are so many good Asian-American comedians. Oh, well, I'll touch on that maybe in the episode notes, but yes, Scarlett Johansson, honorary Asian-American, she's got our emotional range, which is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> So. <laughs> I can't believe she was just paving the way for Shang-Chi as the, the second <laughs> Asian-American lead. But, but yeah, so they've, they've been dropping the ball so hard in terms of marketing, mm -hmm. um, which actually takes us right into uh, my next topic, because, of course, we've already taken, like, 20 minutes on just the, the first one, is how Marvel has kind of done a, a one-step forward two steps back mm -hmm. um and as shang chi steps up to be this yet another box office hit and taking on the mantle and being this incredibly important you know first asian-led marvel movie mm -hmm. um it has all of these stakes attached to it and in the same breath they've already stumbled through black widow through loki and through falcon and the winter soldier mm -hmm. Or for those of you who have watched it, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. And I'll try and I'll try and speed run the history on this one. Long story short, of course, Black Widow is the second uh, female-led Marvel movie, which is horrific to think about in terms of you know there's nearly thirty movies now and there's only, only two, two female-led movies. Only two. Um, only two. Uh, Natasha Romanoff was technically speaking. Well, okay, her, Steve, and Thor were all kind of introduced at the same time, uh, right. within the same year, but she was one of the first original six Avengers ever introduced mm -hmm. uh, in Iron Man 2, specifically. Right. And she did not get her own movie until, ooh, I don't know, literally a decade in, after her character had already died. That's um, It's fine. Yeah, of course, right? And uh, in terms of the main storyline, her movie is the only one that's completely out of place mm -hmm. in terms of when it was released and when it's supposed to be set so right so that's really fun so they had already biffed it on that one and then they continued to screw it up with marketing and then uh with covid and such which is of course that's that is a worldwide issue and regardless of you know oh my god the impact it has on the movies that doesn't matter in terms of the impact it has had socially and right. uh, on human lives right but came next was uh falcon and the winter soldier which i think at this point everyone has seen so again captain america and the winter soldier as we now know sam wilson has taken up the mantle of captain america after uh steve rogers gives him the shield and i love him so much <laughs> he means so much to me i say as i look at you know discord over my uh captain america sam wilson wallpaper like I, this man means so much to me, and I could do a whole episode on him alone, but 
they did a fantastic job with the show itself addressing mm-hmm. um you know the the current political climate and what it meant for a black man to take up the mantle of mm-hmm. captain america and the concept of you know the u.s military you know swapping him out for a basic you know white boy soldier right. um who was uh who was just gonna follow orders that sort of deal right and that was fantastic to see what they did with it mm-hmm. the issue is that as soon as sam was announced as captain america as soon as that last episode aired it took them a while in terms of marketing to right. gain that traction again mm-hmm. um it took them a while to change the the official captain america twitter account to sam wilson mm-hmm. um it took them a while to show any merchandise anything of that sort when you know meanwhile in comparison to say wandavision like pretty much as soon as that last episode dropped they had new merchandise for the new outfits they Mm -hmm. had the funko pops were being announced all of that stuff it took them so much longer to catch up on captain america sam wilson Mm -hmm. and then after that point they just kind of stopped talking about him love that uh yeah, love that. Couldn't get enough of that. And now, you know, months later, we have now seen more of a flux of merchandising and, and so on and so forth. But they don't really... It's almost like they're, you know, they changed the Captain America account and went, okay, we're done. Like, you know, we can... Mm-hmm. We did it, boys. We solved racism. Oh, um, which is not the case. Nope. Uh, and then, less on the uh, the concept of racism, we stumble right into Loki, um, mm-hmm. where we have issues with sexuality, okay. um, in which, the for the first time, we actually have a, an explicit LGBTQ uh, plus character. Mm-hmm. Um, Loki does actually say the words with his mouth that he is, uh, in fact, attracted to men and women. Um, so we do finally have that confirmation from the comic books that he's bisexual. Hashtag diversity um, win. Hashtag diversity win. We, we've, made um, it. we've done it, folks. We did it, kids. Um, and we, we within the whole Loki show context, you know, they they tried to address his uh, gender fluidity um, kind of in the same way that they had in the comics. And they end up biffing it so hard that I don't even like to acknowledge that the last three episodes happened. Okay. Um, and I'm fairly sure most of the fandom does because it immediately followed into the concept of, oh yeah, like we said these things for brownie points, but now we're going to make it almost weirdly like compulsive heterosexuality with that. his feminine version of himself. It Hate was it. bad. Zero to 10 would not recommend. You can watch like the first three episodes and be incredibly upset over how much romantic chemistry there is between Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston. 10 out of 10 would recommend it. To that point though, so essentially we're, we've stumbled so hard through the beginning of this phase when it comes to diversity mm-hmm. that honestly at this point we weren't surprised to see that Shang-Chi had no marketing, that, that Simu was basically running this whole show by himself. Right. And even as someone who is neck deep in Marvel, like the targeted ads, regardless of how many like Chrome extensions I have to block them out, they're always going to be there. Yep. And none of them were him. Which was the wildest concept to me, because even with Black Widow, it was like every other advertisement. It was Marvel saying, hey, man, you should you should check out our movie that's coming out. You know, help out a little little uh, indie uh, company like us. And I was like, okay, bud. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, unfortunately, you are going to scam me out of at least $30 of my 
hard-earned money because I don't want to go to a theater right now. Right. So, like, throughout this whole phase four, even though they have proved that they want the brownie points for introducing these characters, for introducing diversity, they're doing nothing in terms of branding, in terms of marketing, in terms of putting your money where your mouth is. Right. They're not doing any of that mm -hmm. when it comes to introducing these characters. Which is not only, obviously, unfair to the actors who play them, mm -hmm. but also to the people that are investing so much into this and the fans who have been waiting to have characters like this. Right. Because at this point, it's like, if this is going to be such an uphill battle, do I even want them to introduce a character that's for me? Like, mm -hmm. if they introduce America... How are they going to treat her? Is she going to have both of her mothers? Is she going to be um, Latino Puerto Rican? Is she, you know, just going to end up being a stereotype with uh, Joaquin Torres? We've already seen him in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like I said, he was uh, an immigrant from Mexico and now they've turned him into an army brat. Like, okay. he's cute. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love him. He is also played um, by a, a Mexican-American um, actor okay. who is an absolute sweetheart, and I adore him with my whole heart. And I'm very excited to see where he takes Falcon. But that's mm -hmm. not the point. Because, again, they are erasing his backstory that is so integral to who he is as a character and wanting to help people. Right. And... I think this fits like, pretty well into, like, how maybe some of the struggles that um, we're seeing in terms of Shang-Chi and the origin story and how Marvel does their origin stories. Cause so, so for full context, everyone, Bryn and I actually, I, I called Bryn pretty much immediately after Shang-Chi and uh, we, had, we had a nice long conversation about the pacing of the movie. And Bryn was telling me, you know, this is actually pretty standard for an origin movie. As I mentioned in episode one, I felt that the opening was beautiful. The final sort of climax and descending tension was great. And you you can pinpoint the, the moment at which Shang-Chi puts on the mantle and he is now the main character. But for me, the middle of the movie was quite slow. And so Bryn and I had a very, very good conversation before about this, but, you know, we figured we'd share with you guys how this actually fits into, like, the sort of standard Marvel origin story and how that might be incompatible with someone who is lesser known or just not known at all, like Shang-Chi. Exactly. So the thing that we've seen pretty much from the very start of the Marvel movies, even with the original Iron Man, with the first Captain America, with Thor, so on and so forth, everyone's origin movie is that we see them, they set up, you know, the, the catalyst point, like what's going to make them a hero. So of course, uh, Tony Stark is um, captured in Afghanistan and goes through three months of uh, torture and imprisonment and ultimately loses a man who saved his life, and that's what makes him Iron Man. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that whole, I don't know, first 30 minutes, I believe, after that, it's pretty much him going, okay, well, now I need to build the suits, now I need to figure out where I stand with all of the other characters, now I need to see, like, where he's changing as a character. Mm -hmm. So, do his viewpoints still match up with um, with Rhodey and Pepper? Do they still match up with uh, his mentor, Obadiah Stane, who, of course, turns out to be the bad guy? Wow, that's so <laughs> weird. It's almost like if a guy rides in on a, on a friggin' Segway smoking a cigar, I think he might be a bad guy. <laughs> Did he really have a segue? 
he really had a segue. He Oof. came rolling in. <laughs> Oof, that's huge Elon Musk vibes. Oof. He really Oof. he came rolling into the Yark Reactor lab on a segue with a cigar in his mouth going, where's Tony? I hate like, this. I, I barely like, oh, remember buddy. seeing I I watched Iron Man on a cruise with my cousins in, like, 2008? Anyways. Uh, I watched the first Iron Man about two or three weeks ago. <laughs> okay, so it's very fresh for you. For me, it's got oh, a absolutely. nice, like, 13-year vintage on it. Exactly. It's 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 aging nicely, I think. Meanwhile, I just, it's, I kind of use it as, like, a remind myself to feel something real, you know? Oh, you hear those first three opening notes of Back in Black and suddenly you feel every emotion you've ever known in your whole life. It could be worse. You could be into harder drugs. <laughs> exactly! Exactly! I really think, objectively speaking, think my mom probably does wish I was cooler. You know, um, I think your parents also probably lucked out. They're like, okay, damn, our kid doesn't have to, like, we don't have to worry about our kid getting into, like, the cocaine. The, um, Exactly. The cocaine. <laughs> the cocaine. Not just any cocaine. The cocaine. No, no. Um, exactly. We don't we don't have to worry about them doing any of that stuff. Um, cocaine, meth, like anything else that's super habit-forming and dangerous? No, don't worry about it. Our kids are Yeah, the, uh, the only high that I need is Captain America finally getting to wield Mjolnir in, the, in that final battle scene in Endgame, and then I just start crying like a baby, because that's who I am. So everything else has been downhill since there. Oh, absolutely. Everything I mean, else I has been downhill. I genuinely hope, for your sake, that is not the case, but I know for a fact that that's not the case, but... Uh, well, Tony Stark did die not long after that scene, so I do have to say it's been downhill since then. So, you know. I anyway. we have things to look forward to. <laughs> You're right, I do have things to look forward to, and it's going to be seeing Shang-Chi and Sam Wilson together on the big screen, and hopefully at least holding hands. That would be neat, I think, but <laughs> I'm not going to hold out hope because Marvel hates me in particular. It's personal at this point, it's I really got to think it is. It's true. So circling I back just... to origin stories. Yes, yes, exactly. So we're circling on back. Um, we have the same formula for every single movie. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, you... you Put up the pins, you knock them down, and then you're like, okay, let me have the, the emotional character growth, which is hilarious, because a lot of the time, they don't cover enough of it. Right. And then they have, you know, their big catalyst moment, and they get to be, you know, they get to step into the 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 true role of being a hero. So, you know, right. Tony says, I am Iron Man. Thor mm -hmm. decides to stay on Earth and protect uh, Midgard. Right. And, and for Shang-Chi, um, the, um, mm -hmm. the catalyst moment, you know, we've got... He finally learns, like, oh, this is what Wenwu was after, and this is what it actually means. And in terms of that final moment where you re that moment when you realize, oh, this is Shang-Chi's movie, right? It's when Shang-Chi finally le leans into Bagua Zhang and really em embraces that gentleness, and and he starts to recapture the rings from his father. And I know. For me, that was that was one of the most breathtaking and most exciting parts of the movie because it's like, damn, we are here. I was so excited. I was so happy. And so, I mean, it, yeah, to your point, it definitely fits into the formula of we're, it's all building to this. And I guess, you know, maybe somewhat unprompted question, but how do you feel like the comparing and contrasting different origin stories I know I felt that the middle sagged, but I think you were of a different opinion, right? I was. Um, I, I, 
I could understand, like, stepping back from it and looking at it, objectively speaking, from like, oh, approaching this as a movie, not as a Marvel film, mm -hmm. which is wild as a concept in of itself, and I hate that that's, like, a <laughs> thing I can do. Like, let me just put down one lens and pick up the other, you know? Yeah. Which one looks normal? One or two? Like, thank <laughs> you. I'm not here to really go into my own psyche, and I don't right. like it, so... Um, <laughs> But it felt normal, it felt right for a Marvel movie. You know, mm -hmm. I had the the moments, the, the character development, the trying to figure out who he is mm -hmm. um, interspersed with, you know, some, like, nice action scenes. Which, right. by the way, fight choreography, ah! Oh, that's another episode, beautiful. folks. That's another episode that I'm talking about. Anyways. Just absolutely, in of itself. Yes. Um, it was absolutely gorgeous. So, you know, waiting in between for like the next fight scene was okay for me like okay. it, this was something that i was expecting because like i said we were going in with nothing for shang chi mm -hmm. and even more so because they just started to revamp him yep. in the comics mm -hmm. so we had no idea what we were working with right and they had to set up his whole side of the universe yep and I am also going to apologize because Icarus has been chirping at everything I've been saying for like the past five minutes. <laughs> You've got some some implicit support on your side. I'm just sitting I here do. being supportive and, you know, a nice mm-hmm every now and, now and again. And mm -hmm. a, yeah, um, and you've got this tiny little baby in the background just voicing his, his opinion and saying, yeah, I agree with you, bird rights. Bird rights, bird rights. Bird Thank rights. you, Icarus, this is not for you though. <laughs> so point being because we're going in with absolutely nothing with him because we haven't there were no other parts in the mcu that set up for him mm -hmm. you know like we always had implications of like right. the newer heroes that were coming in we always had some sort of setup right but in the past few movies or the shows anything of that sort they were setting up something else. They were setting up possibly the return of Hydra. They were setting up okay. US Agent. They mm -hmm. were setting up the Hawkeye series. Right. They were setting up Multiverse of Madness. Like mm -hmm. they're it was almost like it was fully disconnected from the MCU, which right. is almost at this point, it's a completely alien concept yes. because of how tightly everything is interwoven. Mm -hmm. So like what do you what do you mean? Like there's been absolutely no reference to Shang-Chi before this point. Like right. We, like, how does that happen? How does Marvel as a whole not even have, like, the simplest Easter egg to yeah. one of the other characters? When, you know, we've seen, like, off-handed lines in some of the older movies, you know, like in Winter Soldier, they mention Doctor Stephen Strange, and all of us are like, oh my god, Doctor Strange is coming! Or mm -hmm. um, in Iron Man 2, Tony has, like, the prototype shield in his in his garage, and, right. and, and Agent Coulson is like, oh my god, like, do you know what this is? And he's like, yeah, I'm gonna use it to, like, leverage this thing that I'm working on. Like, I don't care about that. <laughs> right, right. And I mean, and, I think that was, we talked about this before, and I mentioned mm -hmm. in episode one about how this this movie really ricocheted between genres in terms I think I mentioned this in episode one mm -hmm. but basically Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings ricochets quite often between oh right this is a Marvel movie and then um, there is a genre of, of Chinese historical fiction movie called wuxia and that is it's like magical realism kind of there's magic involved the government is kind of like a sort of like loose body but like uh, 
for the most part, people go on a, a grand adventures and and they use magic and there's friendship and there's love and you know it's it's this, this nice drama. And for me, Shang Chi really like really how can how many times can I say ricochet in a sentence? Really bounced between. Wuxia and Marvel, and there were so many times where some literally just a line that someone would say would take me out of the Wuxia mood and say, "Oh, that's right, this is a Marvel movie." Mm -hmm. And it was—it's funny because as a as a Marvel fan, I'm fully anticipating those moments. Mm -hmm. Like I, I pretty much have it down to a science at this point. I'm like, right. "Oh, we're hitting this tone right now," which means I can pretty much anticipate that there's, you know, there's going to be a small like comedic interlude, or there's right. going to be, you know, like we're gearing up towards something, some sort of moment. Mm -hmm. And which might say something about the MCU as a whole and the way that we've kind of become accustomed to the way that things are written. Right. And not necessarily in the way that it speaks poorly of the writers themselves, but more or less that it's a requirement because of the universe that they're building. Mm -hmm. And Rome wasn't built in a day, but it did burn in one. So that's kind of a concept to play with. Right. But you know, watching it as a Marvel fan, I was like, okay, like, these are hitting all of the right beats. These are seeing uh, sort of the introduction of that new genre into it to be twined together. Mm -hmm. It was like, it wasn't like a violent dissonance to me. I right. was like, okay, this makes sense, adding this new sort of aesthetic genre to it mm -hmm. um while still having the same mcu formula right. i was like oh this is a new kind of story to be told mm -hmm. instead of being pulled right back out of the movie every time something marvel-esque happened right so you know from a marvel standpoint it was incredible it is genuinely one of my favorite origin stories mm -hmm. right next to iron man personally okay. which is very high praise for me so <laughs> <laughs> it's a strange dissonance to consider, considering just how, considering my, my fandom background, I am constantly surrounded by other Marvel fans and people mm -hmm. who live and breathe the MCU. So, you know, we can go into these movies and come right back out and say, oh, like, this is how it, it fit the, right. the MCU narrative so well. This is how it, it followed that formula, but it still stood out. Right. Right. And so, not everyone had that viewing experience. Yeah, yeah. So. Like, I mean, like I said, the middle for me was all necessary. It set up the everything for the characters to succeed in terms of their likability and their motives and everything. And so, you know, ultimately the middle was necessary. Would I have liked the middle to be revamped a little bit? Yes. And... You know, there's definitely planning another episode where we talk about themes and everything, and maybe you'll have Bryn on for that one as well because we've both of us have a lot of thoughts about that. But yeah, we do. Yeah, we. Yeah, for me as a as a non Marvel person, and even my friend who I saw this with, who is uh, even less of a Marvel person than I am, we both agreed that the middle of the movie really sagged in terms of trying to bring the action and really keep the story moving. So. So now, given all this context, do you think that this movie was successful in terms of establishing Shang-Chi? Or, you know, how does this movie sh hold up to to other origin movies? I think on its own, it's very strong standing up with, you know, uh, the... I mean, to be fair, some of the other origin movies weren't as strong. For example, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people don't really like to think about the first Thor movie. They kind okay. of think it's a little a little boring, even from the basis of like the standard MCU formula. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it got the series got more exciting as time went on. Got a little worse before it got better. But like we've had, I don't want to say we've had any failures exactly, but we've had just kind of like some middle ground. Yeah, it was nice. Mm -hmm. Like, but. 
for Shang-Chi, this is genuinely like top tier origin story in, in terms of setting him up like we know where he's coming from in terms of his family, in terms of his powers, in terms of the emotional journey that he started here coming to terms with both sides of himself in and wanting to be a better person, but also reconciling with the fact that it wasn't his fault that his mother is dead which he is seven. Uh, yeah he was seven like but i don't know if you know this but you can't blame your seven-year-old son for not keeping your wife safe sure can. um mm, that's not how that works sir and again also, we'll she had a body death. count girl had a body count yeah she did she did a lot I of was damage like, ma'am if you were not dead i would let you know that i am free this friday but you know <laughs> free things to happen free to step on me yes exactly. because yeah no i mean that's something that i really wish that when had really acknowledged like damn my wife took out most if not everybody like i mean i think the people who succeeded obviously they got away but if we're looking at the body count like i would have to go back and count the number of bodies but like it looked like a pretty sizable she slumber did party. some damage she oh it, yeah a lot of girls came to the slumber party and never left yeah yeah <laughs> Only a few went home. Maybe oh, like isn't that sad? <laughs> yeah. They had to call their mom. They had to go, go home early. Mom can't. Mm. Mom said we can't hang out anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's probably for the best. <laughs> and yeah, that's another one of the things that, that we definitely want to cover on another episode. It's just thematic themes and character mm -hmm. development and the MCU's... Again, their typical formula of, you know, oh, we're we're hitting that emotional note, but then we just kind of... Oh, right, whatever. right. Right, and then they're like, okay, we did it, we're done. You know, like, okay, whatever, and guys. And again, that's like an hour I could go off. <laughs> yes, yeah, for sure. But yeah, in terms of, as an origin story, it's very strong. In terms mm -hmm. of setting up the next phase, it's so hard to say. Mm -hmm. Because so much of it was detached from the MCU that the main point that pulled us back in was seeing Wong and mm -hmm. seeing that he's bringing him into the fold with the Avengers, that at the very least, he may be some sort of presence alongside Doctor Strange and Wong, which is cause for concern for me with the new Spider-Man coming up. Oh boy, let's let's see how many other people can be uh, saddled with the experience of cleaning up other people's messes whoo okay poor wong is really all i have to say is this man has been saddled with so many of this white man's problems like oh, i he deserves a vacation and a nap and maybe some karaoke what uh, she got what she got what she got he got the quality content i love wong so much um <laughs> but that is not the point of this conversation but yeah no i think i it, think it was interesting to see that second post-credit scene and think about Okay, so now is Shang-Chi going to be the main, you know, one of the main characters in Phase 4? Because, you know, if we're following the formula from Phase 1, Iron Man started things off and he became a very pivotal character. And now we've got Shang-Chi and it seems like, at least at the very end, Wong is going into the Ten Rings. What the, f what the, what the heck is happening here? What are these made out of? What's going on? And we see Bruce, and we see Carol, and they're just like, we also don't know. And it seems, you know, there's so much possibility there. It's very interesting to see where it can go. I certainly hope that Shang-Chi has a bigger role, and it's not Benedict Cumberbatch carrying the MCU, because that would be really weird. <laughs> I'd rather die. Um... <laughs> 
As much as I love Doctor Strange as a character, he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it in him, and I know it for a fact. Also, because it looks like he's going through it. Whatever's going on with that guy, he's not having a good time. And I hope he might get some therapy, actually. He's the wrong kind of doctor for that. I do yeah. think he needs a new doctor. Doctors need doctors. Doctors need doctors, exactly. And I, I think it's weird to think about because, you know, from where we've been in the MCU, we have a very definitive, like, start point, stop point, like, when we're moving in phases. Mm -hmm. And this feels, for the first time in many years, being like, we have no idea where the hell we're going right mm -hmm. now. Like, we're just kind of in it. Um, right. You know, with the introduction of different formats, with all of these different characters, with the introduction of the multiverse, with split timelines, because there is so much going on, they can truly make or break the MCU at this phase. Right. And it's heartbreaking to think about because we're finally getting closer to having the the diversity that we deserved for these movies. Right. So... And we've got a lot of diversity to look forward to. Eternals is coming out in November with the exactly. most diverse cast I've seen in a long time. The The top name on that for white audiences is probably Angelina Jolie, who, ironically enough, I care the least about. And for, for other people, I think Salma Hayek is maybe the biggest name on there, which mm -hmm. is amazing because she's a Mexican-American actress and she's mm -hmm. supposed to be the leader of the group. But you also have other heavy hitters like Gemma Chan from Crazy Rich Asians. She had a small part in Captain Marvel. You have... Mm -hmm. Kumail Nanjiani, who is, you know, stepping into this sort of role for the very first time. You've got Richard Madden from Game of Thrones. You have, oh man, I need to, I need to relook at the, the cast names, but like you have a, a black actor, you have the Marvel's first deaf actor and first deaf superhero. Like, it's We're looking at you, Hawkeye. Oh, God. Very pointedly. Oh, no. Very upset, oh, in case no. you were wondering. Um, we haven't forgotten about you, bud. I Sorry, would continue. love to forget about Jeremy Renner. Um, oh, I would love to forget about Jeremy Renner. I mean, I Jeremy think Renner. I regularly forget about him. But yes, we're looking, we're looking towards a more diverse future, which is, like I said, I'm incredibly excited for The Eternals. And Bryn can tell you, never before have I been excited about Marvel. Like, I, I think this is actually never. transitioning... <laughs> Absolutely never. <laughs> the only movie that I was excited about in the Marvel Universe before was Black Panther, which I think we actually wanted to talk about a little bit as a sort of compare-contrast, and this is actually... Um, Black Panther is special to me not only because it was the first, you know, Marvel movie that I, like, actively wanted to participate in, but um, it was also the second time that Bryn and I actually saw each other in, in person, because we actually, like I said, we met playing Overwatch, and we'd met once before. I'm not going to talk too much about that because I had a lot of thoughts about those circumstances like not not anything having to deal with us but like the circumstances that brought us together were interesting to say the least but um indeed <laughs> um you know black panther holds a really special place in my heart and so kind of at least my my thoughts on the compare contrast black panther was so as i mentioned in episode one black panther i had some knowledge of the character i knew at least that the character existed and the concept of like superhuman strength and speed and and all the good stuff that we see in that movie I'd already known about and the things I was a little bit hazier on was like the actual origins and like what Black Panther stands for and everything and so at least for the origin story Black Panther felt like a very well-paced movie all throughout and you know if you think about it Black Panther had comedic relief every so often it didn't feel quite as jarring but overall it was a very solemn movie which i feel like shang chi almost did but 
there were occasionally some lines, whether it be from Trevor or from Katie, where it was just like, oh damn, okay, this like really took me out, and now I have like, okay, that's right, it is a Marvel movie. But you know, with Shuri's one-liners from Black Panther, like specifically the, oh my gosh, colonizer, right? Like that did it was very in character, and it didn't feel jarring. And so you know, that's that's sort of my two cents as a, a non-Marvel aficionado. So. So how about your thoughts, Bryn? What, how does how does Shang Chi line up with you know our previous sort of big diversity movie in the MCU? So the funny thing that I I actually realized when we were we were talking about this initially earlier when we were going over our notes and everything, mm-hmm. what I realized is that you know talking about how Shang Chi stands up as an origin story, Black Panther isn't T'Challa's origin story. Hmm. Captain America Civil War is. Interesting. Because that's when we see his catalyst. We see his father killed. We see, you know, Bucky Barnes is framed for the murder uh, of King T'Chaka. And, you know, T'Challa goes on this, essentially this rampage. He wants him dead more than anything, which, Mm -hmm. of course, we understand, you know, we as an audience know that Bucky's not guilty here, but of course, Civil War in of itself was its own mess and should have been an Avengers movie and should not have been a Captain America movie. But, uh, like, that's... Ooh, that's a two-hour pod- like podcast <laughs> for me. Like, that's a mess. But even though, to be honest, T'Challa became a very heavy hitter, even just within that movie. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of the major emotional beats with it. Um, mm-hmm. One of the first big moments is, of course, when T'Chaka dies and T'Challa is holding his body in his arms and he's crying over him. Right. And I think that was pretty much the moment when all of us were like, oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, or, oh yes, but also, oh no. Like, we're, we're going to get wrecked emotionally with right. this character and it's going to be great. And he has so much of that character growth within the span of Civil War. He goes from, you know, wanting Bucky dead more than anything to the point of listening to the others and seeing oh he's not actually the one to blame there is someone else behind the scenes who is pulling the strings Mm -hmm. and ultimately zemo who is to blame for his father's death he doesn't kill him either Mm -hmm. and in in seeing the way that the anger has has ripped apart um steve and tony and and bucky he's he's saying you know their anger is consuming them and i'm done letting it consume me right and that's the point where we see t'challa begin in black panther so he's already had the emotional importance Hmm. of becoming black panther interesting okay which is in a lot of ways why i feel like black panther was such a strong pillar of the mcu as a whole but it wasn't an origin movie okay so we can't fully compare it to Shang-Chi. Okay. But alongside that as well, I think in terms of what it means to people culturally, is that Black Panther had to pull from a lot of different cultures in order to create Wakanda, which is, uh, unfortunately, you know, a fictional nation, and God, I wish it was real so bad. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, it was sort of pulling all of these different aspects and right. and creating something you know again it's of a more fictional nature but it still holds the heart of all of these different cultures right. and um you know they still hold language and everything of that sort and then shang chi on the other hand not necessarily that it's 
the thing about Shang-Chi is that, of course, they pulled from very real, you know, mythology, legends, mm -hmm. that sort of thing for it, and vaguely set up some historically accurate notes. Not okay. a whole lot to really necessarily touch base on, right. but it was almost like they... I'm trying to think of how I, how I wanted to word it earlier. They were trying to be more careful mm, okay in a sense that they were like you know oh like because the chinese market is so huge oh if we do this incorrectly yeah. then then something will go wrong or mm -hmm. you know they didn't have as much wiggle room right so because they were way more careful with it it ultimately undermined what they were able to do with it mm, okay. in a sense if you will less so in terms of you know, we can make this something to celebrate. It's more like, a, okay, like, here you guys go. Look what we managed to integrate into <laughs> it. Don't eat us alive. Right. Disney is so beholden to the Chinese market, which, honestly, the Chinese reception of Shang-Chi, that would be another episode that, honestly, I can probably talk about, but... Yeah. I was going to say, that one, you can definitely, you can topple that regime on your own. Yeah, <laughs> that one, uh, yeah, that's, that's, my a, goodness. That, that's an, a whole other thing. In terms of, like, creative freedoms and everything, it felt like there was, I guess, I was, I was certainly satisfied with, like, some of the touches, but, like, yeah, it's very much like, okay, well, there was, we have to be careful about this and how we're handling it, so, yeah. It was the just... thing that I have come to hate the most i think about this whole experience which is wow the audacity of this bitch to come in and be like <laughs> well as a brown person like here's what really gets my goat on this you I know mean, you're still marginalized, marginalized identity and this is something you know you're seeing something mm -hmm. from a, in another perspective and you're like damn okay that really sucks and i really hope that doesn't happen when i get my turn in the sun you know like it exactly. makes sense it makes sense and i know that you were you were quite happy with this movie and you were excited for me to see it and yeah i mean like i was excited with black panther i'm i'm eagerly awaiting the day that we get our latinx mcu movie because i'm gonna see that and i'm gonna think about you know how excited you're gonna be i'm gonna think exactly about how excited these little latinx kids are gonna be like seeing wow for the first time i'm not the help i'm not a migrant worker i'm the main character and i am the focus of this particular movie but yes exactly going back with to... also alongside that with also like without erasing our identities in the process right. you know, like making yes. us some space mm -hmm. or you know we at least have the the cultural backgrounds that that we deserve so exactly. we'll see whether or not they're able to maintain that mm -hmm. um with our with our newer kids but yep. in in that same vein the thing that i hated the most was with kevin feige saying that it's it's an experiment of right. sorts and I know that he specifically meant, you know, like, oh, we mean, like, in terms of how things are going with the market right now and movie theaters and so on and so forth. And, like, yeah, okay, I can, I see where you're trying to go with that. And, of course, there were a wide variety of call-outs, um, oh not only just from fans, but from, of course, the actors themselves yeah, for Shang-Chi. Yeah. Exactly. And the thing that I hate the most is that he's right. Yeah. Because it is an experiment for mm -hmm. them because with black panther they didn't have this is going to sound so terrible it's not so much that they didn't have as much at stake mm -hmm. it's because they had so much wiggle room with being able to add more of a fantasy element to it with being able to craft this actual nation itself mm -hmm. 
because they're pulling from this very specific comic book run from who Shang-Chi is, from the history that he's had as a character and how much they've had to rework him because he's a very poor aspect of Marvel's history. See episode one. See episode one. Exactly. So it's like they had to be careful with this one. They had to make sure that it was going to be well received. So they had to keep just enough of that Marvel energy in it. Mm -hmm. Just to make sure that we didn't get bored or that we didn't get distracted as Marvel viewers. Mm -hmm. And so if we're receptive to it now, like, oh, maybe we can change the formula a little bit. Maybe we can shift just the slightest bit, turning more towards, um, shoot, I can't remember the the genre that you were speaking of. Oh, yeah. 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 Yes. And it'll perhaps be less of like a violent dissonance between the mm-hmm. two. Maybe they'll be able to find a way to melt the two better. God, I hope and so. <laughs> God, I hope so too. Like I can't. Ah! Marvel has had this issue before, and mm-hmm. likely we will end up seeing it again. And right. Shang Chi had so many challenges facing it. Just starting out just barely from the beginning of what the the original source material that we were pulling from where Shang-Chi was basically being rewritten from the ground up as the movie was being written and writing him into such a huge universe and the thing that kills me the most about that is that it's on the backs of marginalized viewers and it's on the back of marginalized um directors and writers right just creators in general in general it's on our backs to support these movies to make sure that we can actually get the highest quality of a marvel movie that we can possibly get which Mm -hmm. of course it always comes down to the marginalized experience of we have to have the loudest voices just to have a seat at the table right and marvel twice as as loud for half as much exactly and uh at this point i mean i'm so excited that shang chi is doing as well as it is that we've managed to band together and make sure that it is a success Mm -hmm. um even in these very very trying times yes and especially as goodness knows that you have experienced enough of it in terms of discrimination against asian americans in the past year and a half now Mm -hmm. and it's in the darkness of all this bullshit it is nice to have just one win the part that hurts the most about it is that we have to have different definitions of what a win is right depending on where you're at (laughs) exactly and i mean i feel like the whole thesis of what we're trying to get at like the whole point of this episode the main thing that Bryn wanted to bring up to the table is just diversity and how how marvel handles it and how ultimately we will not have to have diversity movies once we are at the point where Asian American led movies or black led movies or or you know Latinx led movies or movies led by any sort of marginalized identity we as a society are okay with them being mediocre or even bad because if we think about it right we've got so many white movies that are garbage or that are mediocre and you know you don't see people calling for those directors heads or for those actors to be never featured in anything again or just like that option denied to white creators because they have come up with something mediocre the concept of just like being able to put out like whatever 
that is kind of, you know, ultimately the goal. And, you know, I personally think, trying to wrap this up at least, like, I, I think Shang-Chi was, you know, for me it wasn't perfect, but it was on the better side of average for me. Like I said, if we had revamped the middle, then it would be probably my favorite movie of the year so far. And the only, <laughs> the, the pool is small, guys. All the movies that I've seen this year are Raya and the Last Dragon, Luca, and now Shang-Chi. So uh, I don't have a big pool to pull from. Right now, Luca is winning for my movie of the year. And it's September now. Holy shit, it's September. Oh. Yeah, like, the fact that Shang-Chi faced so many uphill battles in terms of where it was placed in the MCU, the marketing, the origin story, and how we're rebuilding the character from the ground up. Like, we are building the character as the movie goes, and it's just so disheartening to see Marvel invest so little in what is an important milestone for, for everybody, and, like, even though this movie was truly on, like, the good side of average for me, like, I, I am now doing a podcast about it, like, this is, it's wild. Like, this movie means a lot to me, I have a lot to say about it, and, you know, in case it hasn't been clear so far, we're talking about diversity and how Marvel is struggling with it and how, hopefully, we as fans of color and are really hoping that Marvel steps up and sees the value of telling different stories for their characters, for their audiences to take in, and, and sees that those stories are actually a success. So now, just to close things out, maybe we can chat briefly about our hopes for the future for Marvel, and in terms of what they can do with diversity. And actually, Bryn knows I was a little bit, not late per se to this recording, but like, it took a little bit of time to launch into the conversation because I was actually busy writing a Twitter thread about Shang-Chi and sexuality, and how I hope that Shang-Chi gets a romantic interest, and particularly a, a man-shaped romantic interest, because um, I personally am very biased. Um, I would love for Simu to to give a big ol' kiss to some someone of the male persuasion so I can shamelessly self-insert. So, in terms of future directions. I personally hope that Marvel can see the value of these stories and will start to really consider doing new things and breaking new ground with the characters, which is something that I kind of wanted to share with you. You know, I've been coming up with a superhero in my head that is, you know, you know, I'm I'm modeling the, the hero, but um, the superhero is East Asian American and he's, you know, he's queer and he happens to encounter Shang-Chi, and, and they both throw each other off. And the working title for the superhero in my head is Calligrapher. Ooh. You know, affectionately shortened to Cal. And because I think the, the richest thing about Shang-Chi was how it was a completely bilingual movie. I really enjoyed the Chinese usage in there, and even though the Chinese was not 100% translated accurately, but it was a really nice touch and I really enjoyed it. And so I would love to see another character be introduced to showcase how Shang-Chi can embrace being both strong and forceful and all the things that he inherited from his father along with the traits that he inherited from his mother and really, really explore his relationship and perhaps what it means to be a queer Asian American man in today's society. I made sure that Brendan and I have time after this call to, um, to just- Oh, trust me, you're, to, you're going to be to not telling perform. me literally everything. To not perform. I, uh... <laughs> We made sure we don't have we have yep. time to not perform. So Bryn, you'll exactly. be getting careful afterwards. So that, oh, I'm so ready. That's my um, hope for the yeah. future of the MCU. How about you? Any specific 
hopes and aspirations for where the MCU will go. Absolutely. As a literal veteran of the MCU, having been here from day one, seeing, you know, where we started, where we are now, the amount of struggles that we've had, not even in terms of diversity, but just in general, when it comes to uh, writing a coherent narrative and all of these things, we've made incredible strides getting to where we are now, but mm -hmm. there still has to be the acknowledgement that the comic book industry as a whole is evolving now. A lot of the right. people who are involved in fandom are moving on to become involved professionally right. with these industries, and mm -hmm. we're starting to have louder voices. So the question is, is the MCU going to be able to keep up with that spirit of the comic book community? Is it going mm -hmm. to be able to keep up with the diversity of these character arcs? Are they going to be able to capture people's attentions not only from the the action sequences and you know the big superhero uh, team up you know sure they can capture our attention that way but can they maintain the heart of all of these stories in right. seeing ourselves in these mm -hmm. heroes and i know that they're working at it i know that you know we have so many more diverse characters that are coming in through the rest of the MCU but seeing the way that we've started out with phase four i i'm hopeful mm -hmm. but i'm nervous yeah. and to be quite honest i feel like that's typically my experience when it comes to things that are trying out diversity yeah. um so i think as someone who grew up with the ideals of uh steve rogers as captain <laughs> america and has now come to i would say in person uh, more embrace Sam Wilson's Captain America. I simply have to quote him in this instance and say, let's get to work. For sure. Yeah. The representation sweats are real. The representation mm -hmm. They sure are. Super real. <laughs> Just like hoping that, God damn, I hope this movie doesn't fuck this up for the rest of us. So that has been episode two of Nonsense and Noise. Personally, I've been the noise here because I, I'm not a Marvel aficionado, not a Marvel veteran. I will probably continue to be the noise in that it truly is not useful. <laughs> and Brain has been this episode's nonsense where, you know, they sometimes to, to folks who are not elbow deep in either the representation or, or the Marvel, it doesn't make sense for them. But, you know, I'm, I'm here receiving their their message loud and clear, and hopefully you are as well. Bryn, do you have anything to plug before we go? I would say the only thing that I have to plug, you can find me on Twitter at Soldiers Shields. That's right, with an S at the end. Uh, I like to talk about Marvel. I like to talk about Marvel boys being in love, because you know what? I still don't have enough of that, if anything at all. So, <laughs> uh, I'm basically just taking up time figuring out how I could write the MCU better and how I can make sure that I can blackmail uh, Kevin Feige into giving me the entire MCU. So if you'd like to help me in that endeavor, find me on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kato, not Kato, K-A-H-T-O-N-O-T, K-A-Y-T-O. Wow, I can't, I can't say letters. Letters are hard. Um, but yes, you can find me there on, on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram, I don't have too much going on. Twitter is where all the drama's at. And I'm thinking about setting up a Patreon for, for this show because I just found out that SoundCloud only allows you to host up to three hours. And I think 
after episode three, we're gonna hit that. So, um, Ooh. yeah, uh, this this is gonna become. I'm gonna actually have to invest money in this. Holy shit! Um, disgusting. Disgusting. We live in a society, but yes, thank you everyone for joining for episode two of Nonsense and Noise. Hopefully, catch you for episode three. Thanks, everyone. Bye.